You're listening to the English Ministry Podcast of Chinese Christian Church Thousand Oaks. Join us every Sunday at 11 a.m. Find out more at english.cccto.org. Okay, well, this is pretty good. We got some youth that know how to use the preset player. How many of you, only after watching this video, did you figure, okay, that's how it worked. Okay, we got, yeah, no one from, no one from, from this side. Right? I mean, if I gave you a cassette player and like a YouTube tape cassette, like, would you actually know how to use it? How many of you? Okay, of course, the people who rose their hands uh, first. All right. Well, I want us to reflect on both new things and old things today as we have seen the old thing. And the reason why is because, like the Walkman, unless you have a gigantic cassette tape collection, like my dad does, and I do have a, a pretty good tape collection uh, back in my office with a lot of old sermons and old tapes of vineyard of music that I used to listen to, now transferred over to discs. You're kind of glad that you moved on, that you're not holding that really big thing with all those cassettes that can only listen to max long play 30 tracks, and that's it. And you're glad that you moved on to things like the Discman. How many of you owned the Discman before? I used to own a Discman. The MP3 player, right? How many of you still have an MP3 player? I do, but I lost it. It's somewhere in the house. The iPod. Remember the iPod? You had this, this big square thing, and you had to turn it, right? The iPod. And now, finally, lift up your hands with your smartphones. Your smartphones. And then as each advancement came to, you have more user-friendly innovations, Usually, the innovation became smaller, so it's easier to put in your pocket, and you have more space for music, and now you have more space for everything. Files, books, uh, not just music, but everything, pictures, videos, whatever you wanted. Now, this is the same for most things in life, but of course, definitely technology. And in this new year, we're looking forward to making new goals and new changes, I know that all of you are. Even if you don't like New Year's resolutions, in your mind you're thinking, what am I going to do differently for 2017? And those are called New Year's resolutions, right? And even buying new things like electronics in order to make your life much easier. But for all these things that are new, there may be things that are old that we never want to change. For example, we don't want to change the love that our parents have for us and their friends the love of our friends that they have for us. And there are some things that are old, like truths, old truths that we never want to forget, even though sometimes it's easily forgotten. When we go to Revelations chapter 22, verse 12 to 13, we see the Bible speaking to this, some truths that we are never to forget. Now, I'm going to read this first, and then after I finish reading this, I want the whole entire congregation to read it with me again. And this is Jesus speaking. Revelations 22, verse 12 to 13. Behold... I am coming soon. My reward is with me, and I will give to everyone according to what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Can I have the congregation read along with me? One, two, three. Behold, I am coming soon. My reward is with me, and I will give to everyone according to what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Now, from this biblical passage, we see three old things that we are not to forget this new year when we make our plans. 
And the first one is one that we have heard many times throughout the years as a Christian. It's Jesus is coming back soon. That our Christ, our Lord, is coming back soon. And it's something that's emphatic. It's something that we need to pay attention to. Because before Jesus is coming back soon, before that is said, it says, behold, look, watch out for this. Jesus is coming back soon. Revelation 22, 12, the first part, it says, Behold, I, Jesus speaking, am coming soon. Behold, I am coming soon. Now, wouldn't it be sad if all the things that you worked so hard for in 2016 or in 2017, those things, those goals that you wanted to achieve, you finally almost got it, and then Jesus came back. And all of the hard work that you did was for nothing. So, for example, you finally earned your parents' trust to get your own smartphone, and then Jesus came back. You studied hard for your SATs, and your parents, and maybe they even had you, pay good money for you to go to Jeng's or Elite. And then you paid all that money, you studied hard, you're ready, and then Jesus came back. How about this? You waited a long time to get married, And right before the wedding night, Jesus came back. (laughs) Now, this is a big reality for us evangelical Christians. Because I know, back when I was in a church in Covina, I was talking to some people that were going to get married. And the guy, because, you know, he's a guy, I'm a guy, we're talking about this. And he said, you know what, I totally want the Lord to come back soon. That's something that I'm waiting forward to. All Christians are waiting forward to when all the suffering can end. But please, come back after my wedding night. And we just started laughing because all of us, you know, when you're a Christian, you put a high premium on saving your virginity until the wedding night. And so he's like, please, please, Jesus, don't come back until after the wedding night, after the wedding night. I'm like, okay, sure. I'll pray. I, don't, I totally understand you. I'll pray, I'll pray for you for that. But let me just tell you that when Jesus comes back and restores old things and makes it new, it's going to be better than anything you've ever experienced. How about this one? You work hard, accrued enough money and vacation days to go to Hawaii with your family. But before that happened, Jesus came back. Right? If we can go to the next uh, slide. The point of the Bible that it's making is not, do not plan ahead. And it's definitely not, I'm not trying to say that the Bible is saying, Jesus wants to spoil your plans. <laughs> That's not what it's saying. And when that happens, I bet you that we're going to be glad that he spoiled all our hard work and our plans because it's going to be such a better place when Jesus comes back. But instead, it is this, and this is what I want you to focus on. Whatever your goal is, whether it be a good SAT score, whether it be a family vacation in Hawaii, did you thank God, minister to people in Jesus' name, think about God, glorify God, and do things in a Christian way to get there. Again, whatever achievements you're going to go for in 2017, whatever New Year's resolutions, whatever goals that you're going to make, are you going to get there doing it in a Christian way? Thanking God as you progress. Glorifying God as you progress and not forgetting people that are in need and ministering to them in Jesus' name. Because if Jesus comes back, the only thing redeemable and transferable for eternity, the next life, are these achievements that will be done if you did it in a Christian way 
and if you thought of Christ when you got there. More or less, think about it this way. If you didn't do that goal or achieve that goal in the process of getting to that goal, and even if you didn't do it in a Christian way, if you didn't think about Jesus when you got there or tried to achieve that, then when you get into heaven or when Jesus Christ comes back first, why would Jesus give you any rewards for that goal that you achieved? Because you really didn't do it for him or thanked him for it in the first place. And that is the next point that this passage is trying to teach us. It's number two. God will grant you rewards in heaven for the things you did for him throughout the year. God will grant you rewards in heaven for all the things that you did throughout the year, including 2017. Revelations 22:12b makes it clear. After Jesus says, Behold, I am coming back soon, he says this, My reward is with me, and I will give to everyone according to what he has done. Yes, it is true, brothers and sisters, there will be a reward system in heaven, some kind of a treasure award system in heaven for what we do for him here on this earth. I don't know if you heard about this story before, the and then what story, but there was a guy who was waiting in line to buy movie tickets. It was a really, really long line. Maybe it was for Star Wars Rogue One or something, or The Passion of the Christ, since there were really long lines for those movies. And he's a Christian. He's waiting. There's a person in front of him. It looks like he's in, in college. And just to do small talk and maybe do a little evangelism, the guy points at his shoulder and touches his shoulder. And then he says, yeah, well, what is it? Yeah, well, it looks like you're in college, right? Yeah, I go to UCLA. Well, can I ask you um, a couple of questions? Sure. Um, so what are you going to do after you graduate college, after you graduate UCLA? Well, I'm probably going to go to grad school. And then what? Um, I'm going to get married. And then what? I'm going to have kids. And then what? Now, by this time, there's already five and then what? This is like a new person. He's like frustrated. He's like, why do you keep asking me and then what? And then what? And then what? Do I even know you? We don't even know each other. No, no, no. Just humor me. And then what? And then what? Well, I guess uh, I'll be a doctor by then, so I'll climb the, the ladder of being a more important doctor and get a big house. And then what? And then one of them, what do you mean? Just answer. And then what? Well, I'll retire. And then what? Well, I guess I'll die and go to heaven and be with God. And it is at that point that the Christian asked, why do you think you're going to be in heaven with God? And he said, well, God is a God of love, and I'm a pretty good person, and I plan to be a good person, in the, in not just now, but in the future, all the way until I die. And he said, well, Ever since college, right now, until the day you die, did you envision all of these goals that you're going to make? Did you want to do all of these things for God? Or are you thinking about all these goals for yourself? And he said, well, I suppose for myself. And then here's the question. Why would God let you into his heaven if by your own admission from now, your college age, until you die, you lived your entire life? For yourself. And at that point, the ticket teller says, next please. <laughs> and he's like, it caused him to think. It caused him to wonder. And he felt a little guilty about that as well. And that's tragic. Because a lot of times we live our entire lives trying to build our own achievements, our own dreams, not for the glory of God, 
We don't even thank God when we get those achievements or goals, whether it be Christian or not. And we're definitely not thinking about his kingdom when we're doing it. But yet, a lot of times, as a non-Christian, that's how we're living our lives. But it's also tragic for the Christian. Because a lot of us Christians, we live our life that way too. And the question at the end of that story for the Christian is this. Why would God want to award you anything in heaven? Because you're a Christian, you're going to go to heaven. Why would God want to award you anything in heaven if for your whole entire life, all the achievements and goals you made was for yourself? You have to think about that. Now, by the way, if you're a Christian, I want to let you know that's why hell exists. That's why hell exists. There's two places you're going to go. There's two possible places you're going to go after you pass away. There's either going to be heaven or there's going to be a hell. And hell is a place where you can do whatever you want, where you can try to do your own achievements, your own goals, without having to have God look over your shoulder because God will not limit you to do what, whatever you want in hell. You can go there and do whatever you want. God will not be there to limit or stop you. That's hell. I mean, that's how you want to live your life on earth, and that's how you're going to live your life after earth, in the afterlife. But here's the catch. Everyone else who's going there is also going to be not limited from doing whatever they want. And also, Satan and his demons are going to be there. And they also will not be limited by God in whatever they want to do with you. So choose and consider very carefully as a non-Christian. According to the Bible, there's a time for judgment and then either heaven or hell. And yes, hell is a place where you can do whatever you want. But there's also a catch. Everyone else, including Satan, will be able to do whatever they want in there too. And it all depends on whether you choose Jesus or not. The reality is this. For those of us that are Christians, the amount and quality of treasures you will receive in heaven will directly correlate with what you humbly and intentionally did for Jesus here on this earth. So the amount of heavenly treasures and awards you're going to have in heaven directly correlates with how much you humbly and intentionally do for him here on this earth. Whether it's your own goals that you had, if you did it in a Christian way and glorified him, or it's something very, very overtly Christian, for example, a missions trip um, or some other type of thing that is usually categorized as Christian. And this is why you want to become a Christian early, not late, and start actively living for Christ's glory early and not late. Remember the story of the thief on the cross? A lot of us think, that's great. We can, all, we can wait until the end of our lives, just like the thief on the cross, and then believe in Jesus and we'll go to heaven. Well, here's the sad thing about the thief on the cross. Yes, Jesus said he would be with him in paradise, but he had no time to invest in any heavenly treasures. And when he gets to heaven, he'll probably be, have a very low position in heaven. Now, it is at this point that the Christian will ask this question. Shouldn't I just be glad that I'm even getting into heaven and not hell? Will there be that much of a difference between the Christian who did much for Jesus and the Christian who did little for Jesus? Yes, there will be a difference, even in heaven. 
First of all, there will be an emotional and psychological difference. Now, you see up there three pictures. You see a picture of a shot glass. You see a picture of a regular glass of water. And then you see a picture of a large pitcher. All of them are full. Now, I need you to go abstract. Think of yourself as a shot glass filled with water, not with alcohol, okay, because we got kids here. If you were a shot glass and you were filled, would you feel fulfilled? I would say yes. Sorry, we're going a little abstract here. But I would say yes, because you know that your purpose in life is to be filled with liquid and to be drunk. And yes, it is good to feel full and then alleviated of that fullness by whatever human hands will take you into his or her hand. Now, if you were a regular glass, the one in the middle, and you were filled with water, would you feel full? Would you feel fulfilled that you're accomplishing your purpose? Yes. And the same thing with the pitcher. If you were full of water up the, all the way up to the level of the brim of the pitcher, would, would you feel full? Yes, you would feel fulfilled. Now, emotionally and psychologically, everyone in heaven will be rewarded and fulfilled, but to different categorical degrees degrees relative to the good works he or she has done for Christ. And so a lot of people wonder, well, I mean, I'm just glad to, to get there. Sure. I mean, if you get there by the seat of your pants, you'll be like a, like a little shot glass. You'll be full, filled, but emotionally you'll be like a little shot glass. I want to be the pitcher. I want to experience more of the glory and the power of God when I get there. Also, some people ask, well, does it really matter? Because what are we going to do up there? We're just going to be worshiping him all the time. Well, yes, but we're actually going to be doing something when we worship him. Physically and spiritually under God, we will rule and have more authority over his heavenly kingdom depending on what we have done for Christ here on this earth. Look at Daniel chapter 7, verse 27. Then the sovereignty, power, and greatness of the kingdoms under the whole heaven will be handed over to God himself. No, will be handed over to the saints, the people of the Most High. Who are the saints and the people of the Most High? They are believers in God in the Old Testament, primarily the Jews, and also us, the Christians, in the New Testament. We will actually have kingdoms under our authority because we were faithful to him and did work for him here on this earth. His kingdoms will be an everlasting kingdom, and all rulers will worship and obey him, him being God or Jesus Christ. Now, over here in Daniel 7.27, it says, the power and greatness of the kingdoms under the whole heaven will be handed over to the saints. Some biblical scholars, when they interpret the whole heaven, don't just interpret it as the sky, like the heavens, like the physical sky. So if it were just a physical sky, it would be the kingdoms here on this earth. But some scholars interpret that that to be the entire heavens, meaning space, meaning galaxies, meaning the entire universe. And so some some scholars will go even as far, although it sounds a little far-fetched, but as far as saying that we will be ruling over different planets and different galaxies under the rulership of God um, in the heaven, the third heaven. 1 Corinthians 6, 2-3 also says this in the New Testament. Do you not know that who will judge the world? God will judge the world? Yes, God will. But then the saints in the new heavens and the new earth will judge the world. 
And if you are to judge the world, and he's speaking to Christians here, us, are you not competent to judge trivial cases? Do you not know that we will judge angels? So in the new heavens and the new earth, when we get to heaven, and the time of the new heavens and the new earth, when all things is completely redone and complete, we will actually have authority over the angels. Right now, angels have authority and power over us. But in that time in heaven, we will have authority not only over kingdoms, but also over angels. But that all depends on how much we do for him when we're here on this earth. So it behooves us to be thinking of how we will glorify Christ with the new goals that we make and how we will live for Christ this coming year. If we will do these things for Christ, we will be rewarded in heaven. If we don't, then it'll be a waste of time because there will be no eternal transferable value to what we do in terms of how it relates with our awards in heaven. And by the way, for those of you that are not Christian, it all starts with the relationship with Jesus Christ. Just like the thief on the cross, if you would admit that you're a sinner to God and believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross to save you from your sins so that you can go to heaven and be right with God. And if you would just confess Jesus as your Lord and as your Savior, the one who took your sins away, you can start this relationship with God as well and even start making investments in heaven. Last but not least, thirdly, here's one old truth that we want to continue to remember in this new year. Jesus is the reason not just for the Christmas season, but for all future seasons. Jesus is the reason not just for the Christmas season, but for all future seasons. Revelations 22.13 says this, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. I, Jesus, am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Now, let me have you, ask you a question. Do you believe that your life in 2017 is yours, is just yours to live in light of these facts? Jesus Christ was there in the beginning of creation, in the middle, and he will be there in the end. Jesus Christ is the person who began history, is guiding history now, and will be the one to end it and renew it. Jesus Christ is the reason why the earth and the universe were created. He is the reason why it still exists, and he is the reason why the earth and the universe will end and be renewed. And Daniel and David, you are in the middle end of the beginning and end, and Christ placed you at this point in time for a specific reason. This is true not just for Daniel and David, uh, who we're talking but it is true for all of us. Now, in light of all of this, can we truly say that 2017 is for just us to live? We often forget in our self-centered world that we are actually a part of a bigger plan of God. If we can go to that chart in the previous slide, you see on the top left corner that God created the heavens and the earth. He has a plan. He is working out in human history through, first of all, in the Old Testament, in Israel, in the past, then the church, that's us, in the present, and then restored Israel in the future, including, that includes the church, as well as 
those Jews who are believers. In order to establish his kingdom on earth and to bless all the peoples of the world through faith in Jesus Christ. And the whole purpose of all of this is to maximally give praise and glory to God. Not ourselves, but to God. Once we understand that this is the story of the Bible and that it's about Jesus and not about us, we will realize that when we set our goals and our resolutions, whether officially or unofficially, for this next year, or for this year, that we can't just do it for ourselves. we got to do it for God, whatever goals or resolutions that may be. Jesus truly is the reason for your every season. Here's a challenge. This new year, as you plan your new goals, don't forget to apply these age-old truths of the Bible. Whatever you do, do it as much as you can the way Jesus would and for his glory. So whether he returns first or you go to heaven first, you will be rewarded greatly by him. Don't just think about the investments and the goals that you can make in this life. For the longest we will ever live in this life is maybe 100, 120 years. But we must not forget the billions and billions of years that we are going to live in glory, and how we are going to live in those billions and billions of years will depend on how we lived our life for Christ here for that 60, 80, 100, or 120 years. And this is why 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Let's pray.